back. Well, at least I'm back. Brady Stiff on and we're back. Kelsey is a little bit under the weather today, so she will not be joining us, but uh, wanted to still record today. It is Monday of Kentucky Derby week. So uh, we have had on the counter for a couple weeks now, a conversation with Joe Christofek, the lead racing analyst, chief handicapper, horse racing ambassador at Churchill Downs in the fairgrounds. And, uh, Gracious enough of him to take some time out of his incredibly busy week. I think um, he's. I think he says he's got to wake up at one o'clock in the morning, uh, which would be midnight uh, Central Time. So he is uh, probably fast asleep by now. Uh, recorded with him earlier, so we'll talk to him a little bit later about the Kentucky Derby, some top contenders, and uh, some factors that may play into the race. A very interesting field uh, this year with regard to uh, running style for some top contenders, a couple off the pace, a couple front runners. Uh, we'll talk about how that factors in and, and maybe not so much a clear favorite. In fact, your morning line favorite is one of those off the pace types, uh, which I personally tend to not favor. Uh, but uh, again, we'll dive into that. Uh, some of the controversy surrounding last year's Derby uh, and again, some of the factors uh, going into uh, what will what will come into play this year in Louisville at Churchill Downs on Saturday should be a fun week. Uh, maybe some rain in the forecast. That's obviously going to change things, and uh, we'll see what happens uh, down in Louisville this weekend. Um, while we were away, uh, the NBA playoffs came to an end for the Chicago Bulls, at least. Obviously, the the playoffs still going on, but uh, the Chicago Bulls, predictably, as as we predicted when we recorded last week, uh, lost. Uh, uh, it was last Wednesday, I believe, Game 5 to the Milwaukee Bucks, so they lose that series four games to one. Zach Levine and Alex Caruso both missing that game uh, due to, uh, I think, Zach Levine was COVID and Alex Caruso was concussed, so, you know, not much of a chance for the Bear or the, the Bulls uh, in Game 5 there, so they are done. They head to the offseason. Hopefully, you know, as kind of we talked about last week, hopefully they find their way out of basketball hell, right? either contend for championships or don't make the playoffs and you're in the lottery. Obviously the latter is, is not desired given the fact that this is sort of, you'd like to think the opening of a window, but I guess time will tell. Uh, and then also the other uh, big news of the weekend was the NFL draft and, and the bears uh, with several picks in later rounds, nothing in the first round, but um yeah, I think it was uh, well, I'll be honest. I, I didn't get to uh, take a look at much of the draft just because I uh, was playing softball all weekend, so I really haven't taken a deep dive. But we did, I say we, the Chicago Bears did take a cornerback in their, uh, with their first selection in the second round, Kyler Gordon, a six-foot cornerback out of Washington. And then with their second pick in the second round, Jaquan Brisker, a safety out of Penn State. So interesting that the Bears go secondary, secondary with their first two picks. They do get a wide receiver in the third round out of Tennessee by the name of Velas Jones Jr. I'm probably saying that wrong, but uh, that's okay. Uh, finally, addressing some offensive line needs in the fifth round with Braxton Jones out of Southern Utah, uh, and then a myriad of picks um, in the later later rounds, three picks in the sixth round, three picks in the seventh round. Um, in, <laughs> in, in fact, drafting a punter 34th uh, with a 34th pick in the uh, seventh round. They actually had two picks in a row. Uh, in that seventh round, Elijah Hicks, a safety out of California, and then Trenton Gill, the punter out of North Carolina State. Like we talked about last week, it's it's way too early to grade this draft, especially because there is no first round pick. 
Um, you know, you're not necessarily getting that immediate impact playmaker. Uh, time will tell, right? Uh, we Justin Fields needs weapons. You know, the the receiver that we profiled a little bit last week ends up going to the Packers. Um, you know, it, time will tell. Uh, it's it's too early to really you know have a strong opinion on this draft class. Did they address some needs? We talked about how wide receiver and um, offensive line were probably their two biggest needs. And they go secondary, secondary with their first two picks. So interesting to see how that played out. Uh, this upcoming week, Cubs and Sox for a quick two-game midweek series at Wrigley Field. Interestingly enough, they both come into the series with the exact same record. If you saw that come and raise your hand, because I sure didn't. The White Sox have been injured and had that long losing streak recently. And uh, the Cubs, well, they're in a, a very rough stretch of their schedule right now. They've gone from uh, facing Milwaukee. Atlanta. They've got the Dodgers coming up and the Padres after that. So a very tough stretch uh, in the schedule for the Chicago Cubs and uh, both teams sitting at nine and 13. Let's take a look at the pitching matchups here for the next couple of games for the Cubs and White Sox. Uh, we again are recording on Monday the second and the White Sox played earlier today beating the Angels three to nothing. Dylan Cease was disgusting uh, from what I heard. Uh, so your probable pitchers uh, for the Cubs and White Sox, starting tomorrow, Tuesday the 3rd, Michael Kopech for the Sox, Drew Smiley for the Cubs. And uh, coming up on Thursday, or sorry, Wednesday, let me get to that game real quick. It'll be Lucas Giolito against Kyle Hendricks. So uh, kind of a rough start to the season for Kyle Hendricks, 1-2 and two with a 547 ERA. In fact, uh, Marcus Stroman, the, the big addition for the Cubs in the offseason, Finally got his first win uh, of the season uh, yesterday against the Brewers of all teams. So uh, I know he had like an over six ERA uh, coming into that game for the Cubs. I think ERAs are, are a little skewed across the board these days with pitchers not really going deep into game still, not 100% stretched out. But now that we're into May, probably going to start seeing these pitchers go a little bit deeper into games. But uh, yeah, should be fun, uh, fun, quick two-game series, Cubs and White Sox at Wrigley Field. Hopefully the weather holds out. I know it's not supposed to be great this week, but um, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. We'll see how the Kentucky Derby plays out. Um, not ready to give my pick yet. You can follow me on Twitter at Brady Stiff for my official Kentucky Derby pick. And uh, let's get to that conversation with Joe Christofek right now. Mentina Spirit and Mandalone are stride for stride. Hot Rod Charlie and Essential Quality closing on the outside. The four of them come into the final furlong. Mandalone fighting for the front. Medina Spirit battles on. Hot Rod Charlie on the outside. Essential Quality on the far outside. The four of them coming to the finish in the Kentucky Derby. Here's the wire. Bob Baffert does it again. Medina Spirit has won the Kentucky Derby. Larry Colmas on NBC calling last year's Kentucky Derby as Medina Spirit goes wire to wire in a what would end up being a very controversial Kentucky Derby for the second time in, in recent memory. And uh, it is Derby week. Looking forward to Kentucky Derby 2022. Lots of storylines to talk about. And uh, back on the podcast, one of our favorite guests, it's Joe Christofek. What's up, Joe? How are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm uh, running on fumes a little <laughs> bit with the yeah. uh, morning work show and the draw shows and, you know, live racing and everything that's going on. But, you know, I've done this many times before. I knew what I was getting into and <laughs> got a chance to go to the barns earlier this morning and to talk to some of the participants and see some of the horses. And 
you know, that's what it's all about. That's why we do what we do. So I think that's, that's probably the coolest part about horse racing and, you know, what you get to do on a daily basis is the level of access to those who are closest to the game, right? Your access to trainers, owners, jockeys. I mean, a pro basketball reporter really doesn't get that level of access, do they? I mean, there's so much chatter. Everyone's talking about their horses, but everyone wants to talk about everybody else's horses too. And what do you think? And what do you think? And what are you hearing? And how do you think the race is going to set up? And how good do you think this horse is? And this year's race, I mean, I say it year after year because the Kentucky Derby is always fascinating. But this year, amongst the 20 horses, we seem to have an equal split of horses that want to be forward, horses that want to sit mid-pack, and horses that want to close. And we haven't had many legitimate closers in the Derby in recent years that you actually considered as win candidates. But this year, we've got two in Zandon and Modonegal, who are both going to rally from off the pace. We both have a chance, particularly if the early pace is fast. So just a fascinating race. And uh, I think a pretty decent amount of star power, you know, the the upper upper half of, uh, of the field. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because doing doing some research on on the top contenders, I, I came to that same conclusion that um, you know a couple front runners, couple off the pace types that uh, that will likely consider. We'll dive into some of the individual contenders a little bit later, but wanted to talk about some of the storylines and you know you mentioned chatter among the backstretch uh, between trainers, owners, jockeys, everybody who's involved. Is the elephant in the room the Bob Baffert situation and his suspension for for this year for what happened last year with Medina Spirit? Honestly, not as much as I thought it would be. Uh, Tim Yachtin just got into town a couple days ago. I visited with him a little bit today. You can tell that he's a little bit guarded. You can tell that, you know, it's a strange situation for him to be in. Uh, At the same time, I mean, from my perspective, I just want the best horses possible in the race. So I'm glad that the horses were transferred, that Taba and Messier earned enough points to get into the race. Race wouldn't be as good without them. Um, And quite honestly, we're just talking about the other horses, the other participants, and let the legal system figure the rest of it out, man. I'm here to talk about racing. I'm here to promote the sport, you know, amongst the reporters in from all over the country you know there's some talk about it but i wouldn't say it's nearly the focus that i thought it would be maybe a couple of weeks ago before we really got the ball rolling yeah and i think there's uh, a lot of these storylines that uh, you know start to come out with the with the connections and the horses themselves and you know one of the things that you know maybe it's recency bias um you know for me here but it seems like there's been a lot more shuffling with the back half of the field who's in who's out um, you know, over the last few days leading up to today's post-position draw. We're recording on Monday of Derby Week. Um, Unoho is uh, the horse that comes to mind, among a couple others. Um, had to withdraw just this morning with an injury. Um, you know, his name literally means one eye in Spanish because that's what he has. Talk about an intriguing story from um, just a, a, a general fan's perspective, right? Trying to draw more people into the game. And, and how can you not root for a horse who you know, by accident has one eye. 
Yeah, it was cool. I, I feel, you know, disappointed for the connections. We had that horse patch a few years ago that uh, had one eye. And I think instead of being 70 to one, like he should have been, he was probably 24 to one. <laughs> because right. people are going to bet, you know, the storylines like that. So the horse had no chance to win. Uno ho- I mean, maybe, maybe a chance to run fourth, but it takes a horse out of the race that people were going to bet a little bit, you know, sure. um, I don't think it was a major defection. We got uh, Ethereal Road in in his place, uh, trained by D. Wayne Lucas, and it's always great to have Wayne and the Kentucky Derby. He's got one of the major contenders for the Oaks this year at Secret Oath. But uh, early voting was a horse that came out a couple days ago. We were kind of expecting that for Chad Brown. They waited till the last minute to see if some of the other speed horses defected. Uh, That did not happen. You know, he only got beat at head by Modonagal in the Wood Memorial. But they did this a couple of years ago with cloud computing. They waited for the Preakness. They won. And I think that uh, idea is fresh in their minds uh, to do that with early voting. It would appear to be a good horse for the Preakness moving forward. Yeah, I suppose if you're, you know, not thrilled with your chances to win the Kentucky Derby, even though as, as you know, as prestigious as that race is, um, you know, keeping your horse fresh for, another classic race just a couple weeks later. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started recording here, um, you know, springtime in the Midwest, you know, we never know what we're going to get. And, um, you know, starting even tonight and into tomorrow, looks like it could be a wet week down there in Louisville. Yeah, I mean, I checked the forecast every couple hours. <laughs> yeah, right. It's going to change a little bit. Uh, it looks like rain Tuesday. Uh, maybe a little bit Thursday, Friday looks like rain. Saturday looks like maybe a 50% chance, but scattered, you know, maybe it misses our area. Maybe the forecast changes, which the weather behind the Derby looks fantastic. You know, the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday after that, normally the weather pushes forward. So we'll just have to wait and see, man, you know, uh, it is what it is. I've been through wet derbies before. <laughs> people are going to enjoy it. People are going to bet on it. And uh, you just have to play the car, play the hand you're dealt, so to speak. Yeah, and I don't know if, um, you know, off-track handicapping has, has come into play at all. You know, you've mentioned last year when, when we had you on about how, just how long it takes you to handicap the Kentucky Derby. I mean, this the, the road to the Derby starts in what, October? You get the first points races and then... September, actually. September, yeah. Seven yeah. months ago. Yeah, so you, it's it's a long time coming. And, you know, some of these horses, um, you know, have only raced a couple of times. And then you've got some that have been racing longer than that. So um, it's, a, it's a long, long road to the Kentucky Derby. And uh, let's, ju- let's jump into some of these contenders here. Because, you know, I, I think it is a very interesting field. Um I think a lot of people thought that Epicenter was going to be the morning line favorite. He ends up second choice this morning in the morning uh, morning line odds for Saturday. Um, Epicenter, you know, fresh off. You, I mean, you guys got a good look at him in New Orleans, right? I spent the entire winter with him. I mean, I know the horse's storyline, you know, like the back of my hand. I mean, he ran in the Gunrunner Stakes uh, day after Christmas. Brand new race at Fairgrounds Road, which was great. Uh, won that race um, as a two-year-old, ungraded. Came back and ran second on the LeComp, got beat by Call Me Midnight. Did all the dirty work on the front end that day. And 
if you watch the replay, once he was engaged by Call Me Midnight, he really dug in late. The other horse just had too much momentum. And then in the Risen Star, he won under wraps. I mean, Joel Rosario had a lot left in the tank. Uh, he went gate to wire in that race, but then he showed a new dimension in the Louisiana Derby last out when uh, Zozos and Pioneer of Medina got in front of him and Joel sat the pocket trip, took a little bit of dirt in the face, uh, raided in third, popped out off the turn and won like a good thing. And not only that, it was a mile and 316. So not much different trip wise than what he's going to face on Saturday, going a mile and a quarter. Post position number three is going to be a little bit tricky for him, man. You know, with the new starting gate we have now, the 20 horse gate, the inside posts aren't as bad maybe as they used to be. Uh, back just a few short years ago, but he's going to have to get position in and out of that first turn. He's got natural speed, but I don't think he's as fast as some of the other horses to his outside. So if I was Joel, I'd try to get early position, but not really force the issue all that much and just try to hope for the best uh, in and out of that first turn and onto the back stretch, maybe sitting fifth with a ground saving trip. I think that's uh, the way they'd like to draw it up. But the horse has the stamina, he's got the talent. Steve Asmussen hasn't won a Kentucky Derby yet. Would love to see him get one, winning his trainer of all time, winning his trainer in the history of Churchill. And uh, maybe this is his year. Yeah, I would imagine they wouldn't want to get too far back, though. You know, if they're going to be covered up by speed and, and they want to sit the rail, I, I can't imagine they want to be too far back. So, you know, maybe, maybe he gets used up a little early. I guess we'll have to see. But, you know, to your point, he did sit that pocket trip in, in the Louisiana Derby and, uh, and like you said, won easily. So we'll see uh, what Joel does there on Epicenter. Uh, the horse that ends up being your morning line favorite, you mentioned him earlier as a horse that likes to come off the pace. Number 10, Zandon with Chad Brown training, Flavian Pratt aboard. Last out, he won the Bluegrass at Keenlands, last to first in that race, Joe, through traffic, which could could be significant come Saturday. Yeah, Pratt with a great ride in the Bluegrass, and it was a little bit deceiving because, uh, you know, you get to the 516th pole, and a lot of those horses up front, were getting tired, so they were fading. Uh, Flavian didn't uh, panic. Horse dragged him up uh, towards the front, you know, at the quarter pole, and weaved his way through traffic, brushed with another horse. A impressive turn of foot, to say the least. How's that going to translate to a 20-horse Kentucky Derby field where he's going to probably be sitting 12th at best early on, you know, with Maybe an off track. You just never know. Obviously, we've got a couple more days to, to find out on that front. You know, I think Mike Battaglia made him the morning line favorite. And I, don't, I haven't heard anyone talk about this yet. It kind of popped into my mind. Mike does the morning line at Keeneland, too. He follows Keeneland very closely. May not follow those other tracks nearly as closely as he does Keeneland. I'm sure he was impressed by Zandon. And if you look at the Kentucky Oaks, he made Ness the morning line favorite, too. Where did she win her last prep? The Ashland and Keeneland. So sure. I got a feeling that had a great deal to do with it. <laughs> Three or four days ago, I think everyone thought Epicenter was going to be the morning line favorite, but so much buzz uh, in the mornings with Zandon, how he's trained, how he's looked, that I thought maybe there was a chance he'd be the favorite on Kentucky Derby Day. And 
it'll be interesting to see if he is and what the price is going to be. It could provide some value to betters, right? Like I think, you know, if, uh, what's he, 3-1 to one in the morning line? Uh, do I have that right? Yeah, 3-1 to one in the morning line. Yeah. I mean, th- th- if just personally for me, this horse does not fit my Kentucky Derby betting philosophy, right? I, I typically want to find a horse that's going to be in the front half of the field, you know, usually front quarter of the field even, really, uh, because if you watch the last, I don't know, five, six, seven derbies, uh, you alluded to it earlier, we haven't had an off-the-pace winner. Um, so, you know, it does you, does you well usually to be forwardly placed. So, um, could provide some value for betters who, uh, don't want to rely on racing luck for a horse to come from all the way back there and have to weave through some traffic. Um, one of the most intriguing horses I think is Taba. Uh, this horse has only raced twice. Um, you mentioned Tim Yachtine earlier taking over for Bob Baffert with this horse. Um, broke his maiden at six furlongs. And then jumps up and wins the Santa Anita Derby over Messier. So uh, I know it's a smaller field, but where are you at on Taba? Um, as far as my betting strategies go, he's not going to be prominent on my tickets. You know, you're talking about a horse that's run twice. Short field in the Santa Anita Derby. Got a perfect setup. Has never shipped out of California. Just got here the other day. The training regimen is very on Bob Baffert-like. The horse was on the vets list um, after his debut win. So there might be some issues there. And, you know, he's 12 to 1 on the morning line. I think he's going to be lower than that. I would have probably made him 8 to 1 if I was making the odds. Not a huge discrepancy there. But I think you'll see some Southern California money coming on this horse. Uh, I wouldn't say it's impossible. People are comparing him to Justify, which I don't know if that's fair or not. Well, triple, um, triple crown aspiration, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got raw talent. They paid $1.7 million for the horse. He's extremely well-bred, and he won the San Anita Derby, beating his uh, talented stable mate, Messier. But the, just the inexperience. You know, Brady, that's like bringing up a kid from Double A who's just got tremendous stats. <laughs> And saying they're better than a five-time all-star. I mean, it's just, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's tough. Maybe, maybe this horse down the road winds up being the best horse of this crop. But uh, first Saturday in May, I'm willing to take my chances against them. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, with a horse that that that's that green. Um, you mentioned his stablemate Messier, uh, second in the Santa Anita Derby. Two Taybug won the Grade Three. Robert B. Lewis likes to be near the pace. Is this the more likely of the Yachtine runners to win this race? I would say so. I mean, I'm not sure that the majority would would agree with me, but I mean, Mike made him lower on the morning line, which I found interesting to a small extent. Uh, Johnny V, front runners, Kentucky Derby. It's been pretty good formula uh, recent years. You know, he could get the always dreaming trip where, you know, he doesn't make the lead early, but makes that first move. Johnny knows the rail can be very good if the, uh, Main track is off at Churchill, which could wind up coming into play. Uh, Good-looking individuals, got a lot of natural speed, got caught chasing Forbidden Kingdom, buried him in the San Anita Derby, and then just got caught by his stablemate circumstantially. So this horse is going to be a factor from the beginning of the race till the end. Whether or not he can hold on at a mile and a quarter remains to be seen. I will be using him on my tickets 
more than Taba, but not as one of my key horses. Fair enough. Um, simplification. Uh, Drew number 13 today. He's up there 20 to 1. And I know, like, odds can get skewed with the Kentucky Derby, right? So 20 to 1, you know, may play more like 12 to 1. But third out or third in the Florida Derby last time out, pressing the pace a little bit. Second to White Barrio in the Holy Bull. Uh, got a bad start in that race. Um, so what, what do you think about simplification with Jose Ortiz? Of those horses coming from Florida, uh, I like him third best. I would say I like Charge It better than him, although Charge It might be a horse that uh, has a better chance to win the Travers than the Derby. Lightly raced green, but looks great in the mornings here. Still has a ton of upside. Uh, White of Barrios, uh, just the absolute machine. Um, I don't know if he can win going a mile and a quarter at Churchill against this field, but he's done nothing wrong. And he got sick a couple times this spring and appears to be 110% now. His recent training has been phenomenal. Simplification actually ran better when he broke bad and rallied from out the pace than he did last out in the Florida Derby when he got caught pressing the pace. The connections know that. They're going to probably try to sit mid-pack in the Derby uh, this year, and that'll work to his benefit. I'm not completely against them, but like I said, as far as my wagers go, the Florida horses, I would go charge it, white a barrio, and then simplification third. Yeah, it's probably a more likely scenario that he's going to you know, be forced to come off the pace. Um, white a barrio, you mentioned just now, um, you know, very intriguing. Everybody likes to bet the grays, right? Tyler Gaffleone, I, I didn't realize this until I think it was Travis Stone mentioned this today, that Tyler has won the last, what was it, six Churchill riding titles between the last... It's seven. Oh, my seven God, yeah. Row, I think. Wow. I mean, that's that's really impressive um, for, for a young jock like Tyler Gaffleone. So, um, White Barrio comes off a Florida Derby win, beating Simplification, stalking the pace in that race, was up closer in the Holy Bull. Um, Safi Joseph Jr., you know, is, what, what is it with Safi Joseph Jr.? I, I feel like I've heard that name a lot lately in the world of horse racing. He's an up-and-coming trainer. He does really well in Florida. He's sent some horses to Kentucky the last couple of years. His percentages don't stand up in Kentucky the way they do in South Florida. He's proven he can train a good horse. Uh, he had New York traffic in the Derby a couple of years ago. I think, was that the September Derby? Yes, because I, I remember somebody said that this was going to yeah. be the first May. It might have been you, actually, this morning, uh, that it was going to be the, the first May Derby for Safi. Yeah. So, I mean, quality horseman, quality horse, certainly doesn't have the pedigree to be a Kentucky Derby individual. Uh, race day, actually, I think he stands for ten or 15000 as a stallion. He's got a couple horses in the Derby, though. Just shows uh, goes to show you a derby horse can come from just about anywhere. Right. Uh, and like I said, of the Florida horses, I think we've seen what he can do. He might have a little bit of upside, but Chargers the one that I think has the most upside of those horses coming in out of Florida. I would not be shocked to see White Barrio win. I will be using him um, on my tickets, but not as one of my top win contenders. Mo Donegal is the last one I want to highlight here. Uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier he's going to be an off-the-pace horse. He draws the rail at number one, um, you know, but as you mentioned, it's not as big of a deal as it used to be. And you know, if anybody watched the, uh, the post-position draw today, you guys did a great 
uh, showed a great example of just exactly what that means, right? With the, with the new 20-horse starting gate, the first couple horses are not breaking directly, essentially, into the rail, right? They don't have to correct yeah. horse right away. Um, and this is a horse that wants to come from off the pace anyway. Um, Irad Ortiz in the irons for Todd Pletcher. What's Irad going to have to do to make sure that he doesn't get completely covered up and taken out of the race early? Yeah, man, I think this is one of the horses that is probably the least compromised by drawing the rail because he's an off-the-pace sort anyway. And if anything with this horse, if he had an outside post, you would think that Irad would want to try to cross over to get to the rail and save some ground anyway. Now he's already there. So it's, I think it's just a matter of him holding as much position as he can down on the fence going into the first turn. And if that puts him 15th, then so be it. A um, lot easier to get in that position when you're already at the rail than when you try have to try to find space into that first turn between other horses that are also trying to hold their position. He's got the fastest late pace rating from Briss in the field with that Wood Memorial win. It was a nice win, man. I mean, you know, right now, right now at this very moment, I'm leaning towards an epicenter, Zandon, Modonigal as my top three. He's going to be the best price of the three. He's probably going to have the highest probability of a difficult trip of the three, mm -hmm. but you can't discredit that Wood Memorial race. And I think he's coming into it. Second race off of a, a, a reasonably short layoff. He, sh he should take another step forward. I mean, if you're going to give me 10 to one on him, I think that would be tough to pass. Yeah. Plus you get one of the Ortiz brothers. And if we, if you followed horse racing over the last, I don't know, two, three years, um, you know, no hotter set of jockeys than the Ortiz brothers. Um, and, and plus, I mean, this, this horse beat Zandon, uh, two starts back, three starts back in the Remsen. Remsen. Um, yeah. Yep. As a two-year-old. Sure. That's a great race too. Both horses threw it down. You could tell at that point of, uh, their respective careers that they were serious race horses and it certainly turned out that way. So Brad Cox is officially the winner of last year, the winning trainer, I should say, of last year's Kentucky Derby. Um, you know, I'm sure it would feel much better for him if he was able to get it for real this time. Uh, he's got three in here, Cyberknife, Tawny Port, and Zozo. So you give those three a chance at all? Cyberknife is a horse that was very immature early in his career. He got disqualified from his debut. If you watch him now, his breakthrough race was on uh, Risen Star Day and allowance at fairgrounds. Was green in the stretch that day. The Arkansas Derby was a little bit green, but less. He continues to get better. Uh, from a pure talent perspective, I think he's one of the more naturally talented horses in the field. How is he going to handle 150,000 people? Right. How is he going to handle that wall of noise when they turn for home? Uh, that's a little bit of a concern. Zozos, on the other hand, is a true professional. Got to spend a lot of time with him at the barn this winter. He's got a great mind. Uh, nothing phases him. He has improved with every start. He was second to epicenter Louisiana Derby, and he ran through the wire uh, with some energy. Not bred to go this far, but he just ran a mile and 316th and ran second to epicenter. So I think he can maybe move forward. And then Tawny Port, uh, 
proven himself on the dirt against lesser competition. He was fifth in the Risen Star. Uh, that kind of race isn't going to be good enough to make a major impact. I look for him to be a, a nice turf horse uh, a little bit later on in the year. I saw, um, just looking at Churchill's entries for tomorrow, I saw a mile and a quarter maiden race. Is that? Did they run that as like a dress rehearsal for Saturday for the gate crew and everything? Do they, did they do that for they a reason? This, they ran one this past Saturday, opening night. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, they, they tried to get that gate into action, you know, make sure that it's placed in the right spot, uh, make sure the gate crew gets as familiar with that gate as possible because we only use it handful of times a year right during derby week so yes ben huffman writes those mile and a quarter races on purpose interesting i i found it interesting that it's a maiden race though i know it's three-year-olds yeah, enough but I mean, well, you know brady what kind of races that a mile and a quarter are gonna fill right true uh it, it's one of those things where okay i've got these maidens they run okay you know what can we do to maybe get the best out of them maybe they've got some pedigree we had a pretty decent one the other night uh, ian wilkes won the race this past Saturday with a, with a nice horse that should be okay moving forward. But yeah, I just think they, they try to figure out what race will fill. And usually the maiden special weight at Churchill with those big purses. For, are yeah. Fill. I think it's what 134, which is, you know, <laughs> it's worth more than a lot of overnight stakes. So um, yeah, that, that'll be interesting. Um, okay. So I know you're not ready to make your, your final selection. We haven't even seen the the past performances come out. The post position draw just happened today. Um, I think you said just a couple minutes ago your top three leaning towards what is it? Epicenter, Zandon, and Mo Donegal. Do I have that right? Yeah, and then uh, Charge It would probably be one as a long shot. And I know we haven't talked about the Japanese horse uh, at all, but he's been here for a month. His training regimen is like nothing we're used to, but the Japanese have just been dominating everything. Saudi Cup nights, Dubai World Cup night, they won five races, they won two Breeders' Cup yep. races, mm -hmm. including the Breeders' Cup distaff. This is a legitimate horse um, from Pride. So, I mean, he's another one at a, at a longer price that I'll be utilizing pretty substantially in my exact as tries super effective the best bet on kentucky derby day if you can pull some friends together get a thousand dollars together you know take the two horses you like best put them on top and build your ticket out um you know that thing can really pay it's really tough to play that on a small budget as a as a dollar wager when they have the 20 cent minimums or 10 cent minimums it's a different story right but that's that's where you're going to make some money. It pays way more than it should in comparison to the trifecta every single year. It's the second year in a row you've brought that up, so that's that's yeah. that's, that's hilarious. Um, quickly before I let you go here, just what what's so different about the the training regimen for for Crown Pride? He goes out to the track and does some dressage work behind the gate to kind of get him relaxed, to get his muscles, you know kind of just uh, loosened up sure. and he'll blow out a quarter mile down the stretch. He worked a really fast half mile the other day. He's supposed to work, I think Wednesday again. Um, he spends about, you know, most horses spend about 15, 20 minutes on the track when they go out. This horse spends, and I, you know, it's the only horse they have here, but this horse spends, 
40 minutes every morning on the track going through the same regimen. And he looks great, man. He's got so much energy. Whatever they throw at this horse, when he's doing his dressage work, he's super calm. And when he's training, he's super aggressive. Smart horse, talented horse, should be in a good stalking position. And the Japanese have been winning everything. So, I mean, I just think you just have to have to give the horse at least some level of consideration. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a fun week, Joe. I know uh, you're. Uh, <laughs> it's a stressful week for you, but you're almost at the finish line, my friend. Yeah, we're getting there. And you know what, Brady? This is the fun part. It's all fun. The work shows are fun. The live racing's fun. The draw show is great uh, today. But once we get to Oaks and Derby Day, and there's no workout shows, and there's no you know races Sunday that we got to worry about. We don't race again until the following Thursday. We can really just enjoy the fruits of our labor, enjoy the experience, enjoy the atmosphere, and enjoy all the shows that these horses are going to put on, not only in the Oaks and Derby, but in all the supporting stakes. The wagering menu is fantastic. You know, last year we had, what, 50,000 we were limited to. The year before was the COVID Derby. People were wearing masks last year. Yep. Um, we're not quite back to normal yet, but we're getting – Pretty darn close, and uh, it's just going to be great to see all that energy. The home stretch club that they built, you know, when you make it out to Churchill, you got to check that out. The paddock's going to be rebuilt next year. I mean, Churchill does a great job of maintaining their history while continuing to, up to upgrade the facility. And uh, it, it's, it's it, based on the fields and the Derby and the Oaks. Um, it should be phenomenal. Yeah, we didn't even get a chance to talk about the new turf course, too. I, I know when uh, when I visited, uh, we had a, a horse running there in November. Uh, that, that whole grandstand side, it, I'm using an Arlington term, but the grandstand side was under construction, and, and there was no turf racing at all. So uh, excited for the week, excited for Friday and Saturday. And, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, Joe. It's Joey D-A-K Racing on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure you'll post all your selections uh, once you make them there, right? Yeah, it'll uh, be on the expert picks page of the Churchill Downs website and, um, you know, finalizing those over the next few days. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we've put seven months of work into this. Yeah. <laughs> you want to make sure that uh, you're confident in your selections. And last year, my top two picks were Hot Rod Charlie and Mandaloon, and we know how that worked out. Yep. Well, I mean, Charlie was third, right, if I remember correctly? Charlie was third, and Mandaloon was the adjudicated winner at yep. like twenty to one. Right, right. Of of so. course, you didn't get to collect on that because they they still only paid out the Medina Spirit tickets. But that's uh, that's another another story for another day. Uh, I'll let you go to bed, Joe. Thanks for doing this, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Always great being on, and I hope everyone enjoys the Derby. Much appreciation for Joe Christofek and his time during a very, very busy week for him in Louisville. And uh, I know that uh, he's going to enjoy the Kentucky Derby once they get in the gate and finally go and we get to see the result of what happens. So many things can happen in a very short amount of time, especially at the start of that race. Uh, and uh, let's face it, if you pick a horse and he either misses the break or gets into traffic trouble early, he's probably out of the race. And that's... Uh, it's a shame, but that's what makes the Kentucky Derby so exciting is you just never know what's going to happen with 20 horses coming down that stretch for the first time 
all trying to make sure they're in the best position going into that first turn. So, again, thanks to Joe, and uh, always appreciate having him on and, and his uh, his insight and uh, just, uh, like I said, taking some time during that busy schedule of his. So uh, we'll see how the Kentucky Derby shakes out. Kelsey should be back next week, and uh, we'll talk to you then.